G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is called The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. We're beginning John chapter 18, and there's 21 chapters altogether. John chapter 18 is about the beginning of Christ's passion, or let's put it this way, Christ's passion begins. Passion, of course, is not just great excitement and emotion. Passion here has to do with feeling, suffering, even death itself, but not just any death, a death that leads to life and an injustice, namely Jesus being executed, though he was a holy, innocent, righteous man, but that injustice will beget God's justice, and that we are going to be beneficiaries of such justice. So John chapter 18 is Christ's passion begins, and this particular lesson is called Gathering at Gethsemane. Friends, we want to learn more about Jesus, and to do so, we need to learn the Word. We believe the Word is God's Word, and that God's Word truly is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's Word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is milk to the babe, it is meat to the mature. Many wonderful metaphors we could use, but we know this. When you build your life on God's Word, that which of course includes the Gospel and Jesus' Word, then you're building on a rock-solid foundation. And no matter what happens in life, with all its uncertainties and storms, we will still be standing, even though many others will not. That's what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. So that's why we have this series, and besides, the Gospel of John itself teaches us that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David, the Anointed One, the soon-coming King. But it also teaches us that he is simultaneously, concurrently, the Son of God. And John, with his unique and close perspective of Christ, ought to know what he's saying. His testimony is true. So, our lesson is called Gathering at Gethsemane, and it's based on John 18, verses 1 to 11. Let me read to you a small portion from this passage of Scripture. It says in verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? 
They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now this happened at the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember that Gethsemane, Gath Shemen, means oil press. Just as you crush the olive in order to get the precious oil, so Jesus was crushed in order to get his blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His whole wonderful body, untouched by sin and sickness, it was crushed so that by his stripes we were healed. Or as it tells us in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity, chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes he was healed, or we were healed. Praise God for that. So we're going to go retrace the steps of Jesus where his passion begins, his suffering for the sins of the world. The one thing positively I can say about the actual suffering is that the whole passion was less than 24 hours. But what an intense time, not just of pain, but of darkness too. In fact, there will be literal darkness over the earth during part of the period that he is on the cross, dying for our sins. So we will go from Zion to Jerusalem to Gethsemane. We will talk about Judas. We'll see about the arrest of Jesus and even the impetuousness of Peter in the garden. Let's read the entire portion of John 18, verses 1 to 11. Our lesson is called Gathering at Gethsemane. Again, it's from John chapter 18, 1 to 11. Friends, let's listen to the word of the Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Kidron, where there was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. That saying might be fulfilled, which he spake, Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheaf. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Our reading is from John chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. 
And our lesson is called Gathering at Gethsemane. Well, here we go. This is the beginning of the passion of Jesus. The last event that happened in his life before his suffering began was what we call the Last Supper. And in John's Gospel, there's a lot of coverage, not so much of the Supper, but of the period around the Supper where Jesus is giving instructions to his followers about what was going to befall them all. Therefore, from the Last Supper, which was at Mount Zion, they made the journey to Gethsemane. And there at Gethsemane, it's about a 40-minute walk at least. You go down the Mount Zion into the Kidron Valley, and then you walk north in the Kidron Valley till you reach Gethsemane, which is at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus prayed, and in fact he prayed so intently that he perspired both blood and water, actually drops of blood with the normal perspiration. This, of course, is very interesting because his passion begins in a garden and his passion ends in a garden. Because we'll read it here in the same Gospel of John that where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb where nobody had been interred before. That would be Jesus' tomb. So the passion begins and ends in gardens. And also, it begins with the drops of blood being perspired out of him because of the intensity of the prayer he was undergoing, because the weight of the world and of the world's sin was coming upon him. And when he died, or even right after he died, the soldier pierced him with a sphere, and out came blood and water. Very interesting parallels here. So the gathering at Gethsemane, from Zion to Gethsemane, John's Gospel has given us much coverage of this period. In chapters 14 to 16, Jesus gave teachings or discourses. In chapter 17, he prayed his masterful intercessory prayer, and it was done for all disciples, which includes you and me. Now we have changed the emphasis and the location. The Jesus group moves from the room of the Last Supper on Mount Zion, descends the Kidron Valley, and when Jesus is going through the valley, remember, it's this valley, Kidron Valley, also known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Valley of Jehoshaphat may be the Valley of Decision spoken of by the prophet Joel. It may be the Armageddon we think of. It's pretty narrow, but all things are possible. And remember just the name Jehoshaphat. It's not just the Judean king, but Jehoshaphat means God will judge. So it is considered the place where the nations will be judged, either by conflict or by decree of the Almighty. So the blood of animals was channeled into the Kidron Valley, and by crossing Kidron, Christ was reminded of his own blood that would be shed for the sins of the world less than 24 hours from now. Now, at Gethsemane, there was the place where Jesus' passion begins. He prayed, he's arrested. And remember something else about the olive oil, and that Gethsemane means oil press. It takes a total crushing of that olive 
to extract the oil. Oil is only 20% of that whole olive. Now, the anointed Son of Man, Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, was crushed in the Passion so that anointing, righteousness, healing, and life could be given to the world. In John 18, verse 2, we learn that Judas knew. The traitor Judas Iscariot knew the Garden of Gethsemane well, because apparently Jesus and his disciples often came here. Since it was nighttime and there would be no crowds, it made a perfect place for the betrayal, because after all, evil thrives well in darkness. Judas comes with a mob in verse 3. As part of the betrayal plot, Judas was given a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees. They came to Gethsemane with lanterns, torches, and weapons. It was as if Jesus was some kind of rabble-rouser or common criminal that they were equipped in such ridiculous and excessive manner. So then, of course, they arrive to the group, and Jesus, being the leader, is the spokesman. So he asked them in verse 4, whom do you seek? Now, the fact is, Jesus knew in advance everything that would happen to him. So he proactively came to and asked this group whom they sought. Well, they told him that they wanted Jesus of Nazareth. And in verse 5 of John 18, he replies, I am he. Now, remember the Lord said, I am. That word, he, was added by the translators. So here you've got Judas the traitor standing with them. And what's going on here? We find that he says, I am. Does that sound familiar? I am, of course, is the divine name. And this divine name is used repeatedly in John's gospel by Jesus himself. It's used in John 8, 58. John 6, 48, John 8, 12, John 9, 5, 10, 9, chapter 10, 11 to 14, verse 36, 11, 25, 14, 6. The fact that Jesus used this phrase, I am, repeatedly was one of the signifiers that he is the Son of God, because only that name could be used of God. Remember, that's the name God gave Moses, When Moses says, who can I tell Pharaoh has sent me? And God says, tell him, I am that I am. Since this is the divine name, there is overwhelming power when it is said, particularly by Jesus himself. So when he said to the soldiers, I am, apparently, according to John 8, verse 18, verse 6, they fell backward. And, in fact, not did they fell backward, they fell to the ground. Very unusual, but I guess they were overpowered by the authority and anointing that came from the Master himself. So then in verse 7 of John 18, he asked the question again, Whom do you seek? The reply was the same. We are seeking Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, fair enough. So, Jesus then gives an expanded response here in verse 8. He says, I have told you that I am he. Since you seek me 
and me alone. Let these others go. It is important to remember that the chief priests weren't after the entire group of disciples. They were only after Jesus. They really couldn't care less what happened to the men that were following him. So Jesus, the object of their arrest, is, well, how can he put it? He loved his disciples enough to demand that they be left alone. He was the center of attention, and he, and only he, was ready to drink of this cup of suffering and death. So in a sense, he was protecting them when he said, let these others go. I'm who you seek, so let's just get this over with. And by telling the soldiers to let the disciples go, another saying of Jesus was fulfilled. It was in John seventeen twelve. Remember, Jesus prayed and confessed that all the disciples God gave him, he didn't lose any of them, except for one person. That was Judas Iscariot, who was appointed to perdition. Remember, perdition means destruction. Even the perdition of Judas was a fulfillment of Scripture given to David in the Psalms 1,000 years earlier. So, as Jesus had a passion to honor the Word of God, to fulfill the Word of God, and to advocate and to promote the fact that the Scripture cannot be broken. In John 18.10, Peter becomes impetuous. He drew a sword and cut off the right ear of the high priest's servant. Amazingly, he was not arrested for this. After all, the mob was looking for the bigger fish. That fish was Jesus. Finally, Jesus makes a statement in John eighteen eleven. He tells Peter, put this sword away. I will drink the cup of passion, of suffering, of death, for the sake of atoning for the sins of the world. It's a cup my Father has given, and I will drink from it. Very noble, very courageous, very glorious. Only our Savior could have a stance such as this. He took the hit, the pain, the reproach, the rejection, the suffering and death, so that we could be reconciled to God. Hence the gospel, among other wonderful titles, is called the free gift in the book of Romans. Accept the free gift. Be reconciled to God. Have peace with God. Have forgiveness of God. Have eternal life with God. Have, not only that, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. All this because Jesus was willing to drink from the cup. Now our lesson is called Gathering at Gethsemane. And our lesson for life is this. When Adam faced Satan in the garden, he failed. When Jesus faced Satan in the garden, he prevailed. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.